The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. And I went back up there expecting her to speak super fast Creole and she started speaking and I could understand everything she was saying. And I thought, wait a second, what, are you speaking English or am I speaking, what is this? And so Coming up on Life Today, Megan Boudreau shares about her personal encounter with a miracle on Voodoo Mountain that strengthened her faith. We started a school and it grew um, from January of 2011 with 97 kids to this new school year, we have about 500 children. And this is the happiest, most pleasant-looking people out here. Are you happy and pleasant? Do you know what people tell me when they run into us, like in a public place? I'm so glad you can't see me when I'm watching you on television. <laughs> and then they tell us, they say, we just feel like you're in our home every day. And we're, well, thank you. We're glad you're here. And you are going to really like the young lady we're about to introduce you to. Now, I want, I want to show you the title of her book because she has a book. You know, everybody's got a book wants to come to me on life today. And I'm glad because people who understand good things uh, like to hear about good things. The miracle, and I mean, this is not uh, an exaggeration, miracle on Voodoo Mountain. Now, this is in Haiti. Would you welcome Megan to life today? <laughs> Megan, I'm glad to see you. Good to see and you. The first time I saw you, you were, you were walking in the miracle. You were walking in Haiti. And you are helping people. It was the last place in the world you would have ever thought you would be. I want you to tell our, our viewers about your journey. It's here, and it's thoroughly covered, and I hope you'll get the book. It's, it's wonderful. But I want you to, to tell, you know, a little bit about your situation, how unlikely it would be that you would ever end up where you, where you are, mm -hmm. and then the absolute undeniable miracle of what's taking place. But let's just start with kind of where you were and sure. what was going on in your life. Well, um, I was uh, born in Louisiana, and um, when I was seven, my father passed away. And kind of my whole, it's so interesting because my whole life I just um, had so many different things going on and had no idea that I'd end up in Haiti. I was a cheerleader in college <laughs> and um, just very different stuff. And the Lord just kind of put this on my heart um, to go to Haiti and it, uh, through my job and through different places um, of visiting, I ended up coming to Haiti, to Voodoo Mountain. Well, what was happen What happened with the, the death that occurred in your family when you realized how very much alone you felt? Yeah, um, that was a really interesting and, and tough time. Um, even though I was only seven, I remember a lot about it. I was going to my father's funeral and my mom and my father um, had been divorced. He was an alcoholic and so because of just her trying to safe, um, to keep us safe and to keep us away from his family and from him a little bit because of just the disease itself, um, she was not invited to the funeral. And so at seven years old, I walked into the funeral home with my brother and my sister who are a few years older than me and um, was by myself and walked in and they kept going and I kind of got trapped at this bench at the beginning of the funeral home and I sat on there, that bench for what seemed like hours and had my head tucked in between my legs and was just crying and so upset and felt like nobody was comforting me. And a few 
few people came up and they'd put their arm on my, you know, back or they would say stuff and, and no one was really um, trying to make me feel any better. They weren't really, you know, picking me up or, or talking with me. They were just kind of patting my back. And then suddenly I felt the bench shake and I looked over, I lifted my head up and I looked over and I didn't see anybody. And so I put my head back down and then um, suddenly I felt like somebody picked me up and was just holding me. And um, the, 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 voice in my spirit was just saying, you're not alone, you're not alone. And um, that I feel like was the first time I heard God talking to me and um, I was seven. And, you know, since then that whole um, spirit, that whole phrase of you're not alone has just followed me all the way to living in Haiti for six months by myself. And all right, now tell us how you got there. Now Katrina hit, you were in school, right? Yes. And, uh, and it, it kind of knocked your school out? Yeah, I was at Tulane University and um, I missed the first day of class because of Katrina and so ended up having to go to Washington and Lee University in Virginia and picked that on a whim. We had 24 hours to pick a school. I was a sophomore, I didn't know what to do. And so I picked that school and got dropped off in the middle of campus by myself with my luggage and thought, okay, good Lord, what am I gonna do? And so I started going, <laughs> trying to figure out where I was gonna stay and got into my room and felt that same feeling. I don't, I'm alone, I'm alone. And then I so clearly heard the Lord say, you're not alone, I'm with you. And um, actually in that university, that was the first time I ever joined a Bible study. And that's really where I just learned about the Lord, about the, um, the word of God and just became a Christian really and walked with the Lord from then on. All right, I'm interested in how you got to Haiti because when I watched you in Haiti, I saw something I was I was amazed at. How did <laughs> you end up there? Because that probably had really nothing to do with, with uh, Katrina but they did have a, an earthquake. And so you, yeah. you went in after that, I suppose. Right, I did, I went in after the earthquake. Um, but actually it was with a job that I was hired for before the earthquake. I um, worked in public relations and marketing for a children's hospital and they said, oh, we'd like for you to go to Haiti. And because I was the youngest one there, I kind of got forced to go and I wasn't excited at all. And <laughs> I visited in April of 2010 and hated it. I cried the whole time. I thought, why did you send me? Lord, I don't want to be here. And I came back and then kind of forgot about how bad it was and they asked me to go again and I said, okay, I'll go. And so I went and then um, that's the first time that I went up to this mountain and I saw this one tree and then went back to the States and, and did, you know, my job and stayed in my job and thought, I'm never going back. Why would I go back? And that's when the Lord started waking me up. And every time I would wake up, I would see this tree and I kept seeing this Was mountain. Was it a tree that had leaves, a living tree? Because uh, most trees are dead there. And <laughs> yeah. they, they cut <laughs> them up point. and make firewood. But, Good but point. There yeah. is a tree and yeah. so it kept well, coming back to you. And it was the only tree on this mountain. It's the only tree on this mountain on Bellevue Mountain, on um, Voodoo Mountain in Gracie. And so, yeah, I kept seeing the tree. And then finally, I just ended my struggle and said, I said, okay, Lord, you win. I'm going to go. And so, well, by the way, why was the tree there? I'm curious. Why, why was it there when they're cutting them down and burning them from wood all the time? I, Is there any reason for it? No, I mean, I think, I think one of the, um, the biggest reasons why that tree out of all of them stayed was because originally it was where they would do voodoo offerings and they would do sacrificing under that tree. And in um, the religion of voodoo, trees are sacred or they pick certain trees to um, worship and stuff. And this was one that had been... Um, an idol. Yeah, an idol mm -hmm. for that well, mountain. Did yeah. God give you specific directions or leadership on what he wanted you to do when you got there? No, not at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> he really said, go, you, you, I just want you to go. And so um, I talk about it in the book, just how I get there in the first three days, I sat in my room and cried and thought, oh my gosh, my mom's right. I'm crazy, what am I doing? My friends think this I'm crazy. This sounds like a some journey everybody really wants to go on. I mean, everything just makes no sense. And, no, it but, doesn't. But you know what, I, I want to ask you something because see, I believe that, that the enemy will imitate God He'll sound like God. Mm -hmm. He'll come as an angel of light. He'll masquerade as a minister of righteousness. You seem to have, and see, it sounds very much like God that he picked you up when you were a hurting little girl and nobody else was picking you up. Mm -hmm. And I don't question for a moment God was, was picking up a little girl mm -hmm. with a broken heart. And then you talked about hearing these voices and talking to you, and it wasn't like it was trying to, this voice trying to get you to do something evil or selfish. It might have seemed like something kind of silly or mm -hmm. why are we doing it? But you believe it was God? You oh, absolutely. Was All right, absolutely. so then you believe that he, for some reason, lets you keep seeing this tree yeah. that was an idol. I mean, that doesn't even really make sense, but he's letting you see it. It does. And you end up on the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. I do. Okay, so here you are up on the mountain. You don't have a clue why you're there? Not a clue, not a clue. So I, well, I, I was actually still in this house. I'd moved to Haiti and I decided I'm going to move my stuff. I sold And you don't know why you're car. moving to Haiti? No idea. Just knew that the Lord said, you need to go. And I said no for, th for three, four months. And finally I said, all right, Lord, let's see. You're really up to something. Because it was just, he, he was He didn't persistent. even let you in on any deal. <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. So I got there. Three days I'm crying. And then suddenly <laughs> I said, okay, maybe I need to go do something. And and so what God did was he led me back to this mountain and that's really where it all started because the first time I got back on this mountain, I saw a little girl with a bunch of rocks in her hand and she was throwing rocks at a bird and because she was hungry and mm. she was going to eat the bird. And so um, that little girl, Mikael, she started, I always say she started this whole thing because from then we started the feeding program and then eventually the school. Now what happened to the little girl? Um, now she's my daughter. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, she was six then, right? She was six then, yep. And she's, how old is she now? She's 10 now. And she's your little girl. And she's my little girl, yeah. Now, you got married, right? I did. Under the tree? Um, <laughs> not under that tree, but under another tree. <laughs> how long have you been married? Um, it'll be two years. Uh, and is your husband there, too? Yes, he is. Does he have a clue why he's there? <laughs> At first, I think it was for me, but now yeah. he really knows, yeah. He, okay. He, the miracle. Now, you got to hear this. Now, this is the thing that's so cool because, you see, I, we, we see the, saw the clips of her. <laughs> it just can't happen what happened to this girl. I mean, it makes no sense except that here's a girl that God held when she was a little girl, when she really needed to be held. And then she keeps hearing a voice. She doesn't totally understand it, but she just follows what she knows. And she ends up here, and she sees a little girl trying to throw rocks at a bird to have something to eat. That little girl is her daughter. Now, what happened to the children as a result of you being there? Um, so after we um, started the feeding program, I started seeing that there was a lot of kids that weren't going to school. By the way, where'd you get the food for them? Uh, where did I get the food? Mm -hmm. The local market there. But you I have to buy it? Yes. Where did you get the money to buy it? My own money. <laughs> you mean from like back in the States when you had a job? Yes. But yes. you're over here under the tree and nobody sent you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It really it really doesn't connect uh, until until further along. Okay. But at this point, yeah, I was using my own money. I'm getting desperate. I'm getting desperate. <laughs> you have to read the book. <laughs> I, um, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just come out. I got the advanced copy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after that, 
that um, I started a feeding program and then started seeing these kids weren't going to school. And that is when um, I kind of just discovered re what these children were and they were rest of X. And it's a French word, rest day means to stay, avec means with. And it's basically child slaves or domestic servants. And there's over half a million in Haiti and these children serve in the household. They're either given away, sold, kidnapped, stolen. It's um, such a difficult situation. And then they're young kids that from ages four to 15, girls and boys, and they do all of the cooking, the cleaning, laundry, fetching water, and they don't go to school. Do many of them have parents? Um, some of them do. Some of them have parents and they've been taken away. Some of them have parents and they don't know where they are. And some of them are orphans and have just been stuck in this situation. Now, you're, you're dealing with children whose language is different from yours. Yeah. What did they speak? Haitian Creole. Okay, and you spoke uh, uh, Louisiana. English. Haitian <laughs> English. All right. Now, you needed to talk to them. Yeah. But you couldn't. Right. Did you have something else strange happen? I need to know. I did. I did. <laughs> what happened? So... Well, um, and like I said, I mean, God just continued to confirm that I should be there. And after being there for about six weeks, I went back to the States and um, just made had, a, had one prayer. I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to stay over there, I've got to be able to communicate with these people. This is too difficult. And the kids would come up and just speak so fast I couldn't understand anything. And so I, I went back um, to Haiti a few weeks later and decided to go back up to the mountain because I knew I would see Mika, um, the little girl who was throwing mm -hmm. rocks. That's where she lived. And I went back up there expecting her to speak super fast Creole and she started speaking and I could understand everything she was saying. And I thought, wait a second, what, are you speaking English or am I speaking, what is this? And so I asked her to repeat what she said and then um, I understood what she was saying. And so I ran down the mountain to go meet some of my friends that, uh, Haitian pastor and his wife and some other friends that were Haitian and I started speaking to them and they said, did you go to language school for two weeks? What did you do? And I just said, no, I, I don't know. And they stood up immediately and they knew, you know, they said, you know, praise God, praise God. And Do you understand this is a New Testament miracle in the book of Acts? That's exactly, that is exactly what happened. Now, the whole story is a miracle on this mountain. All right, so now you're talking to them. I want to know what happened for the kids that you're doing, a girl that wasn't sent there by anybody but God who couldn't possibly do it. Tell me what's happened. Um, so, yes, yeah, so now with um, seeing all these kids that weren't in school, we started a school and it grew um, from January of 2011 with 97 kids to we just um, started in October of 2014, this new school year, we have about 500 children. Wow. Isn't that great? And so it's Do you amazing. understand the miracle of that? That is a miracle. I mean, you've got kids that she couldn't even talk to. Yeah. And you're feeding them? We're feeding them. They get two meals a day. Um, we, <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, we feed them breakfast and lunch. We um, source everything locally. So we make our own bread, our own peanut butter. <laughs> we get eggs locally. And um, we've built 14 classrooms. And so they all are in their classrooms. Who helped you build yeah, them? I was going to say, did you find, somebody <laughs> finally found out that you were there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody come looking for <laughs> you? about five months alone. <laughs> I started having some friends. Um, yeah, we did have some people that came and helped. We actually had an um, American builder Kyle Fishburn who came from California and he moved down there for two years actually wow and he built um, our 14 wow. classrooms thank you Kyle yeah <laughs> and then um, we just recently it's finished so our medical clinic and so we have a 6,500 square foot medical clinic that serves our staff of <laughs> over a hundred and our 500 kids wow. and their family I want to tell you something now listen <laughs> to me and all of you here this is a miracle yeah. and I knew when I was watching it it, it makes no sense <laughs> I mean you know it's just God. 
Now, here's what I want you to see. What, what, if they want to know your website because they say, hey, I can build, I'll come mm -hmm. do a little bit more, you know, refurbishing or updating or adding on, mm -hmm. how would they find you on the website? Yes, um, the, or, the name of my organization is called Respire Haiti, and so the uh, website is respirehaiti.org. And what does that mean? Respire means to breathe. Mm. All right, and, and they can find that. It's on the screen where you can see it, all right? Now, the, the thing you would probably like is some people to come maybe and work with you when they can stay for a little extended period of time, maybe a matter of weeks. Let's say the churches want to maybe talk to you about maybe a group coming. Is there any, any room or need for that? Yes, absolutely. We have um, our, our first and foremost biggest need is always prayer because as by the title, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of um, just battles and darkness that's there as there well. There definitely so is. Prayer is a huge thing. And then the second thing is to have feet on the ground. And we have um, all kinds of opportunities. We have our soccer teams. We have a tennis team. We have basketball. <laughs> we also have art and so music have people that we that are, do. So you who are good in these sports and things that come work with kids. That's meaningful too. Mm -hmm. All right. We would be happy to send you the book uh, that Megan has written about the miracle. What we really have heard is, is New Testament power in our day. With a girl that wasn't asking for this, had no thought of being a missionary, she hears a still small voice. She follows it, and then she beholds the miracle. Now then, I would say to you, the website's there. If you want to help her, get involved with her, you want to send support, find out what she's doing, you follow the leadership of the Lord. You may be led to go there. And I will tell you, the need is great in Haiti. Would you just say thanks to God and thanks for Megan? Megan, I want, I want to show you something that I know will touch your heart. Now, now, now listen to me. I, I'm going to show you something that leads to a miracle. I mean, it leads to a miracle like you've been hearing about. And in many, many ways, indescribable. It leads to millions of lives being saved and millions of people coming to know Christ because they see firsthand His love. Now, I want you to watch. Whatever you do, don't look away and just listen to the voice of God that Megan heard. Watch. Is there anything more miraculous, more precious, than God's gift of children? Remarkable and sometimes confusing little versions of ourselves, yet so incredibly unique. We plan, sacrifice, stress, and pray over our decisions, over their decisions, all that we want for them and the legacy we hope to leave. There's a breath of immortality in those generations that follow us. But that all assumes those generations don't end with us. In Cambodia, what we encountered floored us. Mother after mother, who because of something as basic as water, had lost child after child contaminated water, filled with disease, their only source. In the villages we visited, it became harder to find mothers who had not lost a child to contaminated water than it was to find one who had. Our children are supposed to outlive us, 
These mothers have lost more children than the average American has even brought into this world. Of all the things we as parents might struggle to provide for our children, it's unlikely that clean water is ever one of them. Why should it be any different for these mothers? I feel like that you've, I feel like you've heard a still small voice. I, I think you've heard it clearly. Would you give clean water in Jesus' name? Betty, when I see the loss, and I know that it can be immediately corrected by love, I, I can't even imagine. Every person watching, not saying at least let me have a part. James, I can't even imagine the heartache of a mother that knows that the water she's given her babies could possibly kill them. But what can she do? They have to have water. They're thirsty. And day by day, every day, she goes and offers that water to her children, knowing that she might lose one more child or more than that. I hope you will join with us and let's drill the water wells because this is a solution that can save lives. If you will be a part of it, you will be so blessed as you give and share your heart of love with these children. You know, it's hard to imagine that anyone wouldn't have something as basic as, as clean water. And you know, even here in the States, people are buying a lot of water in bottles because they perceive that it might be a little bit more pure than even what's coming out of our tap, out of the faucet. Uh, we're almost fanatical for clean water. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, these, these children and their families have never had it. And you give them water because you have to have water to live a day, the next day, the next, or die suddenly. But giving them the water, for many of them, they die slowly and painfully. But we can correct it. So here, here's what we do at, at life. And when I say we, Betty and I give a well every time we drill. And to be honest with you, we normally give more than a well. Because we ask God, we made it a major focus. Show us how we can do it. We have found so many people said, we began to pray. Do you realize that we have children? We have children, some that are not even five or six years old, that drill a well. You say, how'd they do it? They started talking to everybody they knew. Some of them got permission to talk to their whole church and said, would you please help us drill a well? And they would drill a well. The point I'm making is that when it gets on your heart, when, when it really gets on your heart, you can do it. So I want you, if you can drill a well, to drill a well, they're $4,800. Or if you can give a portion of a well, 1,200, three join you, we've got a well. 2,400, one person join you, we've got a well. That's great. And we pray you can do it. I pray you make it a go. But most people can't do that. And, and don't be apologetic the majority of the resources to drill the wells come from gifts of $48. That gives 10 people, if you break it out, 10 people water the rest of their life. Could you make a $48 gift? $144, three times that, 30 people. We have gifts we want to send you to bless you. We're sending it to say thank you. You're not giving to get a gift. We're giving to you because we love you and want to bless you, give you the water of life. 
Give them water for life and tell them about the water of life. Show them first. Would you dial the number right now? And I think you want to. I almost feel like I wish you wanted to run to the phone. But you dial the number, take your bank card, use it like a check, or you can go online, lifetoday.org, use that card and make the gift now. If you, if you do want to mail it in, make the check to life. Make it to life and then call us and tell us, I'm sending this in because we need to know. We've targeted more than 12 countries, 500 wells. That's the goal this year. Do what you can, would you? Thank you for doing it. I don't want any more mothers to say, I lost one. I lost three. I won't even be able to say in a few years, I didn't lose my babies. I didn't lose my children. And we're going to tell them about the love of God that prompted the gift you made. And they will believe because they have seen it. Thanks for making that call. Thanks for going online. Thanks for your gift. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the Everyday A New Day devotional. Broken out into the four seasons of the year, this daily devotional features scriptures, inspirational thoughts, a Bible reading plan, and a place for you to journal each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request the Names of Jesus pen set, one inscribed with the names of Jesus found in Scripture, and the other reflecting the gifts of the Spirit. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well, and request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. You know, from the depth of our heart, we just say thank you for your help. I believe, and by the way, if you get a busy, I mean, be as determined as if the life of one of your loved ones depended on that 911 call being made, so to speak. This is a life call. Get through and do what God puts on your heart. If you would like to have Megan's book, The Miracle on Voodoo Mountain, it's not Voodoo Mountain anymore, it's Miracle Mountain. <laughs> I think we really just ought to rename it Miracle Mountain. Mm -hmm. I, think you to, I think you should make an actual move and, and get that government. They could do at least one thing right. They could rename a mountain because it's a miracle. If you'd like to have the book, just ask for it. If you help us give water, do you believe it'd be great to rename that Miracle Mountain? And do you thank God for the miracles, Megan? Thank all of you for being here. And I thank all of you at home, all over the world. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for helping us share life. God bless you.
Ricky Tejada's wife was killed by a drunk driver. He has a 0.18 blood alcohol level, and I have a dead wife. Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.